0: Welcome in to the Hoopstradamus podcast, Adam Shelfu and Joshy boy Sklair.
1: How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I like that welcome. It's, uh, well, it's welcome. not Halloween anymore, but we're getting close to Christmas. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah. Oh,
0: man, you just went full on Dracula there. <laughs> yes, I did. Welcome to the Hoopstradamus <laughs> castle. Wow, we are already <laughs> off the rails. We're about 10 seconds in. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, buddy, uh, so the reason I, I had to get you on, of course, is, you know, you kind of got an ear to the ground uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks situation, you know, and so you're our official Bucks expert, if you will. So let's get right down to brass tacks. Uh,
1: what were your thoughts? Giannis just signed a five-year extension. I was not really surprised because I look at the NBA as a whole, as a business perspective, we look at all of these guys. One thing we notice, what's usually a common pattern with all these great international players? They stay with their teams. Okay. You know, it's a different culture when you grow up in Europe, Middle East, wherever, Africa, wherever you are. A lot of these international players, the superstars, tend to stay. Manu, Tony Parker, Dirk Nowitzki, Pau Gasol. Okay, he moved around, but he was traded. Yeah. And he always stay there. Marcus Gasol stayed in Memphis his entire career till he was traded. There's a pattern with these guys staying with their respective teams. That's so when I was. thought about the honest situation, I thought his whole family's here. Right. Brothers are in high school. What incident does he, he keeps have to saying,
0: You know, he wants to do best what's best for his family. A lot of people thought that meant like, oh well, he's
1: gonna go. No, Golden State. No, it means he's gonna stay where his brothers to stay are. In high where school. he, his mom and dad are, because his his mom and dad don't know America, and to ask them to move to another city would be really, really difficult. And I think what people don't realize either, for an NBA player, it might be fine. For the average person moving to a totally different city, you don't know. For a reg- for the average Joe, is still a lot to ask. In Milwaukee, a big, awesome. big commitment to
0: make. Like Milwaukee is a very fun city. Milwaukee is one of my favorite cities to visit.
1: It's a great city. If I, you know, if you want to, if you want to be able to get your sports, but you want to actually live in a decent sized apartment and pay a third of the price and to live in the Midwest, you go to Milwaukee. I have no reason.
0: There's music festivals. There's delicious food. You're a half away from Chicago. Like there's there's
1: skiing. Like, come on. Yeah, it is. And, I don't have to pay hundred bucks to go to a Cubs game. I can pay twenty bucks and go to a Milwaukee Bucks Brewers game, and it's an hour away anyway. It takes yeah. me an hour to get to Wrigley anyway. Yeah. So win win. Plus, same thing with the Bucks. I can go to the Pfizer Forum for fifteen bucks and watch Giannis instead of having to pay fifty bucks to sit in the third deck to watch a Bulls team. as young. It's nice. Yeah. But if I'm going to choose between going to a Bulls game in Chicago or Milwaukee, most people are going to choose Milwaukee now, especially if they live within a modest time of Milwaukee, they're gonna do take that because Why would you want to spend the money on the bulls tickets right now? The bucks are a much better value ticket price. This is like the first
0: time in years I'd be willing to spend money on bulls tickets. And we'll get into that a little bit later because you stopped watching the bulls before it was cool. You know, a few (laughs) years ago, you're like, I can't watch this team anymore. And we were in the the midst of the Jim Boylan uh, catastrophe, you know, what a horrible situation that was for years Get into a little bit bulls later because they're kind of watchable again. But yeah, man, honestly, my perspective on this Giannis thing is i respect it because not a lot of guys do stay uh, anymore, and they are really close to being able to win a championship. So why jump ship anyway? You know, like they have a really good team. I mean, you're kind of, if, if you're listening, Josh is making a little bit of a face, but the fact of the matter is they've had the best record in the, in the East, you know, two years in a row. And it's gotten tough in the playoffs, but also you got to keep in mind that last year wasn't a normal year. Milwaukee didn't have the benefit of having home court advantage. No one had home court advantage in Orlando. The Bucks did earn home court advantage, but I think that uh, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. They still underperformed in the playoffs, but you know, they made moves to get better. And I think that's what Giannis wanted. And I think that, you know, you're in pretty good shape when you have, uh, a blossoming player in Dante DiVincenzo. You have one of the best ball-sharing coaches in the league uh, with Budenholzer. And then Chris Middleton is like just a, one of the best 3 and D guys in the league and puts up MVP-type numbers whenever Giannis is out. So it's not like he's, you know, staying in a broken team. They have a lot around him, and they're continuing to try to get better. And hopefully, uh, for Bucks fans, they're going to be able to continue to bring in more players but the drew holiday move makes them a lot better you know you're upgrading in a big way when you can add another lockdown defender you have a lockdown like you could tell me that that's going to be three all defensive first team guys on that team
1: I definitely think they're better one thing with this team is Giannis got exposed so badly in the playoffs so badly and as much as I love him, the ball is so high up. He's 6'11". Yeah. He attacks the basket first. When his when he can't get to the basket and you cut off all his driving lanes, then he has to shoot. And that's where you need Drew Holiday. It, yes. But did, if Giannis can't kid shoot. tried it, to make him a point guard. He, here's the thing. They try and make Giannis the primary point guard. And I knew, unless you get uh, Chris Paul, but Drew Holiday is a good example. Giannis is best off the ball. He's not best with the ball in his hands. He's not. He's a good passer, but he does not have elite passing ability. He's best attack coming off screens and getting to the rim. And he can get to the basket, but you're better off. Giannis is in the post going to work in the post, getting his game going from there for that 10 to 15-foot jumper from, you know, the post fade. I mean, you can definitely slash, don't get me wrong, and if you get him a mismatch, he will exploit it. Use him on the pick and roll, not necessarily in a Lob City kind of way, but drop it off to him and let him go to work once you get inside 10 feet. That's when he can do damage. When he's handling the ball, it's up here. And you can easily swipe at it if you've got guys low to the floor attacking it. That's what Miami did, and that's why they struggled so badly. So as much as I love Giannis, and I do think this team can definitely go to the NBA Finals this year, I also think he's limited in what he can do because he's such—he's not a great shooter. And I think that's what it's really going to come down to: is you know, is Giannis going to be able to take that next step, or has he reached his ceiling where? You know, this is what he is. He's a drive to the basket, use all my athleticism kind of guy. And if that is the case, which is fine, are you better off instead of putting him at the four? Are you better putting him at the five and running him out there? We know he's a great rebounder. If you can use him at the center position rather and then build around that, I think they might be better off doing that because as much as I like Brook Lopez, he's a good inside defender. But then when you get pick a roll situations and he's on the guard, what are you going to do? I I agree, and And I think that he's up to 242
0: pounds now. He's 6'11", 240, right? And so this guy's averaging 14 rebounds a game. This isn't the skinny 19-year-old we had in 2013. Uh, He's definitely added that muscle. And so I agree. I would like to see him more at uh, the center because it also makes you so quick in transition. And um, I think we're going to see more of that. But he had to kind of put on that weight but you know, you look at the numbers and he's, he's, I think he's going to finally average more than 30 points per game this year. He was at 29 and a half this past year, but I, I agree with you. I think that they do need to look into that and especially, you know, um, I don't know. It just seems to make you a
1: little bit more versatile. You know, I think, um, the one thing I actually think, Giannis, it might take a little bit of a dip. and I think Drew Holiday is going to get more of – he's going to get a, a more shots than Bledsoe because as much as I like Eric Bledsoe, I think Drew is a much better shot creator. He's much better at being able to get to the basket, and I think he can improve in that level for the Bucks in terms of having that finally that real third go-to option. But as much as I like Eric Bledsoe, He's not the key. He'll get you 15 to 18 on a good team. Overrated. I'll say it. Yes. He's a stat pattern on a bad team. There's Mm -hmm. a guy like Zach Levine. Zach Levine's a guy who I think is a better shot creator than Eric Bledsoe. Oh, without a doubt in my mind. Yes. Drew Holiday is that kind of guy. And I think he provides a different level of score that they needed, which I think is going to take a lot of the pressure off Giannis because he can create. Now, I still believe – if there was a chance to get James Harden, you get him. I don't think there was a chance to get him. I don't, and they couldn't make the salaries work either. You would have probably had to trade Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, and I think that would have completely been a complete mess, and it wouldn't have made any sense for the Bucs. So I think they made the right move in getting a guy like Drew Holiday. The thing that people also talk about is the first round picks. First round picks are great if you can develop them. The Pelicans, if they can't develop any of these picks, and plus they're going to be, some of them are going to be in the back twenty or twenty to thirty range. What kind of currency do they have exactly? Not as much. Yeah. Unless much you can develop that talent? And we have seen while well, they can, Brandon Ingram's become a phenomenal player in this league, all easily an All Star this year. I think. If it, mm. was he last year? I. I he cannot, was, yeah. He was okay. He was unreal. I, he was okay. Just wanted to make sure. You know, um,
0: I, I think a sneaky good fit for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks is, is a guy we're very familiar with. Uh, I'm I'm going to give you a hint. He once uh, punched Nikola Mirotic in the face.
1: Oh my goodness! I do not. When did so? When did someone punch Nico? I do not remember this. You don't remember this, Bobby Portis. That is very true. I thought Bobby he broke
0: was his face. Guy. He literally That's right, was in
1: practice. That's right. They punched yeah. him
0: in practice. Yes. Uh, now I remember he now. back I, to me. I remember this new face. But you know, Bobby Portis, what he's like 25 years old. Yeah. He's 25 years old. Uh, He is like actually a pretty good three-point shooter. And so you talk about a perfect guy to have backing up Brooke Lopez. You don't lose your identity with Bobby Portis. Now Bobby Portis got criticized for his defense in New York, but I think that much like, brooke lopez improved defensively uh under budenholzer i think you're going to see that same uh thing from bobby portis and bobby portis like he's got that mean streak to him and i think that milwaukee needed a little bit more of that and so i'm very interested to see uh if his game evolves a little bit uh with the situation he's in i think it's a, a good situation for a young player who's uh kind of bounced around these last few years but there was a time when we were really
1: excited about Bobby Portis. Bobby has a good talent. We saw it. When we I, I saw it, especially in the – well, he didn't have great stats. I can remember vividly him playing a very big role in those first two games when the Bulls played Boston in the first round of the playoffs. Rondo got him involved. Yeah. And really, he was able to showcase his talent. He has the ability to shoot, has the ability to get in the low post. He's an energy guy. And he feeds off of other players around him having that same energy. When you don't have any energy around you... First of all, what team was he playing for last year? The New York Knickerbockers. Right, so how much energy are you going to get from
0: playing for the Knicks? Right. I mean, a lot more now that Thibodeau's there. I mean, yeah. I
1: think the practices will definitely be more rigorous, that's for sure. Yeah, but last year's Knicks... (laughs) And Bobby in he has been really playing very well for them off the bench and is giving them that spark in the last game. They lost by 16, but he had 12 points in that game. And what I see is a guy who can be that score. They need off the bench, especially in the low post area and from the three point line that can give them a little pep in their step off the bench that they really needed. Because as much, you know, talent as they have, one thing they don't have is, they didn't have that guy off the bench that could really give them the spark that they needed. And I think Bobby could definitely be that guy now because it they really oh boy. They I think there's I think Milwaukee is definitely the favorite in the Eastern Conference because I don't expect Miami to repeat. The question is, you know, are they gonna be able to get over the hump mentally? Right because they were there last year and then they just fell off a cliff. And that's where it's like, is it, you know, do you,
0: do you make the bubble excuse? I don't know. No, Uh, but I do think that uh, there's a little bit more of a sense of urgency here, but the fact of the matter is Giannis is still uh, like, how old was Jordan when he won his first title? Right. What did he win it in year seven? It was 91, 28. He would have been 28. He would have been 28. Okay. So Giannis is going into
1: what is his seventh year?
0: His seventh I mean. year,
1: I think. Yeah. And so he'll be 26. You know, the, and also one thing I, I like about this Bucks team now, little bit more well-rounded off the bench. Okay. Guys who can play their role. DJ Wilson is definitely going to be a guy. I think people need to watch out for. And they got more shooting which yeah, I thought was really – Brian, For, Brian Forbes, they needed a guy coming off the bench. DJ Pat Augustine's had, a really good, uh, reliable
0: backup point guard. I think he's just got – he's a little bit more of a scorer than George Hill. George Hill's just uh, – I don't know. No disrespect to George Hill.
1: But I if really DJ, D.J. Three D.J. Three D. D. Augustine. Augustine get hot. Led the NBA in three-point shooting last year, actually, Mr. D. Augustine. You're D. saying? D. D. No, no, no. George Hill did. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, he shot, I think, 52% from three last
0: year. Oh, wow. Okay, that yeah, that's pretty damn good. Uh, Yeah, and you, you know I love Pat Connaughton, one of the best athletes in the NBA. Uh, seems to get marginally better every year. He's
1: never going to make an all-star team. No, just the one thing about Milwaukee that I really did see get exposed and that really concerned me. Pardon me, no, it was forty. Okay, I was a little bit off, but he did lead the NBA in three-point shooting percentage. Yes, George Hill was number one. One thing... That worries me about this team, and this got exposed last year. Dante Divincenzo and Pat Connaughton did not have the size to guard those wings for Miami. So yeah. they, and I think DJ Wilson can pick up the slack for him because he's proven that he has the talent, and this year he's going to have a much bigger role. And I think as long as he can put up the defensive effort on the floor, on the on the screens and those switches, and he's able to match and provide the length that they need. I think it'll be okay. It's just the lack of size last year against Miami really hurt them. And I'm not going to mention words. They got their ass kicked by Miami. It was a thorough thorough ass kicking.
0: Yeah, and that's where, you know, Bam Adebayo, I think matches up better with Giannis than just about anybody in the world, Frank. 100%. And uh, he did a great job on Giannis. And Spolstra, very good coach. But the the – Defensive versatility that that Heat team had last year when they were able to employ uh, Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, who all have their Milwaukee ties, by the way, with Marquette, uh, and then Andre Iguodala, uh, and then Bam Adebayo. They were able to really match up with the Bucks better than just about anybody in the le- well, actually, yeah, better than anybody in the league besides maybe the Lakers. But um, you know, those were the two teams
1: in the finals. And, you know, I think this year also one thing we're going to have to watch out for is going to be a problem is losing Wes Matthews is big for them. Yeah. I mean, Ooh. Wes was huge for that team as a 3-and-D wing, and that's a big blow because he was one of – I believe he was one of the better players from defensive efficiency in the league last year too. He was part of that squad that made them so deadly defensively. And to lose to lose a guy like that I think could be a major problem, especially – to the Lakers, and as much as I love Milwaukee, and no way in hell any, anybody beating the Lakers. I, yeah, I love The Lakers. Them. Look like they might uh, lock it
0: up. You know, they got with,
1: Dennis. I mean, I mean, I, yeah. I, am like An embarrassment
0: of Richards off. over there. And now it is. It uh, is. Horton, Horton Tucker looks like he's the real de- deal too. So it's just it's just insane over there. Uh, before we move on, what is the uh, basement and what is the ceiling for this Bucks team in your mind?
1: I think the Baseman would be another second-round exit. I would say pr- third seed. I would say probably third seed. I'd say the ceiling is the NBA championship. Okay. I definitely think so. The ceiling is definitely NBA championship. But I could see them slipping a bit this year. It's easy, especially with COVID or there's an injury that comes up. I could see him slipping to the third, maybe the fourth seed. I don't think they'll go lower than that. I, th- I would say third seed at the worst, probably maybe fourth. But I think that's – I would say that is depending on injuries. Worst-case scenario is they're ravaged by injuries or something happens to Giannis. Like that would be worst-case.
0: Yeah. I also think that they might make – I think they're going to make a move at the deadline. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I think that they're going to stay aggressive and, and uh, try to um, – improve that roster because it's not a perfect one. I think they got better offensively. They might've lost a step defensively when you lose uh, Robin Lopez and, uh, and Wes Matthews, as you mentioned. Uh, So they got, they're a better shooting team, which I think is so key with the system they have offensively, but it's going to be interesting. I do think that they'll look to add somebody and, um, you know, who knows? If let's let's just throw this random name out there like if a guy like Pat Beverly was available I think they would pursue it. That would be a
1: huge pickup for him. Although I think if they were going to go out and get somebody I would probably think they'd want another wing maybe, but I think Pat Beverly would definitely help in the defensive backcourt. Yeah. I just think that at this point they need another big I don't think as much – I just don't – I don't see them going after a Pat Beverly type. So I would expect if they were going to go after anybody, it would be another – it would be definitely a big man. question is who. We'll see. But all I know is John Horst – shout out to John. Pulling a Daryl Morey level of aggressive kind of move with getting Drew Holiday. Went all out. Morgan's the future said, I need to get my best player talent around him that can really help him and i respect the heck out of the move and i think it could really pay
0: off yeah i i mean you got to uh risk it to get the biscuit right that's what we always say and uh, let's let's move on to i mean we've been talking about it on almost every show on hoopstradamus lately and it's been the talk of the league so uh rightfully so uh james harden he he's it it looks like he still wants out of houston uh the ivory here
1: looks more like James Sardine because he's been eating so many
0: of them. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. He did look like he, um, you know, he said he was training in, uh, Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay.
1: Mm. He had a lot of breasts and thighs in Vegas.
0: Maybe training for the hot dog eating contest because he came <laughs> back looking pretty fat. Let's call it what it is. Uh, I've done enough ripping on James Harden this week. He's obviously a phenomenally talented player. And I actually think that with the right coach, he could turn into one of those like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan uh, guys who's going to win multiple championships, but you know, Phil Jackson had to help those guys get over the hump. Uh, You know, he he got together with Kobe a lot younger than he uh, was able to get together with Michael, but those guys obviously went on to have incredible careers. Uh, James Harden, I think needs someone to kind of unlock him because he's a little bit of a knucklehead. (laughs) And so uh, I don't know, I think in the right situation he could totally turn a team into a contender but let's talk about some of these trade rumors let's start with the uh, the philadelphia 76ers because that seems to be the big one there's conflicting reports over whether it's going to be uh whether ben simmons is in that but i will go right ahead and say that ben simmons would be a, a nice addition for houston i mean john wall's the their their point guard i think but i mean Nothing wrong with having a young Ben Simmons there for, for a few years, and um,
1: that would be a very intriguing team. Yeah, very, that, very intriguing. That, like if, if you tried to, do it, be- I don't know, maybe, it might be. But I'm trying to think because they shoot what fifty threes a game. They they're not changing that. I mean, I maybe they'll only like, take forty five, right?
0: I almost feel like Simmons
1: does. might fit better with them than Harden at this point with the style of te- game they play. Well, you
0: know, if Harden's forcing their hands, Simmons isn't a bad consolation prize, but where I think it's an awesome fit is actually for James Harden, because, I mean, he's an unbelievable player using that on-ball screen, and then the pick-and-pop you'd never stop with Joel Embiid, and then uh, the pick-and-roll is pretty dangerous too, and so it's interesting kind of looking at how that would, uh, I think it would, make Philly a legit championship contender. It's just a matter of uh, what they would have to do to kind of like make the books match, you know, I'm looking at the trade machine right now. So let's say it is, because obviously you're going to, you're going to have to trade a lot.
1: Right. And so, well, they said, if you want Ben Simmons, you're going to have to give us more than James Harden. When I heard that, I thought, yeah, that's, I don't think you're going to be able to get much more than that. And and it's interesting because, you know,
0: Shams says yesterday that, you know, James or that Ben Simmons is available. And then not that long after he says that he's not available in the trade stuff. And so it's very interesting. I even saw a speculation that the Rockets leaked it, that Simmons was available to try to get leverage on their trade. So I really don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to read the tea leaves here.
1: I think James Harden – I think they gave him all the power in that franchise, and now they're trying to take a little bit of it back, and he's having, a, he's having a, a pissy fit. And I think that's what's happening. I think they hired the head coach without telling him that they were going to hire the head coach. And he was kind of pissed off about it. Well, and, I mean, there's then, a
0: lot of stuff, you know, uh, it's seem I, I've seen things that, you know, James Harden doesn't like that the owner's a Trump supporter and uh, you know, political agency is getting more and more uh, it's a bigger okay, deal. than. Yeah.
1: Okay. But you've also known that probably for four years now, you could have said something for you. You could have said something back then and you didn't. Right. And who knows, you know, we can't so get into so, I, mind. As much as I can understand that, you also sound like you're making hella excuses, Harden. You mean? Yeah, I mean, you sound like you're making excuses, unfortunately, Mister Harden. So, it, I, it, who knows? I'm gonna call BS on that one. I can understand if you don't want to. You could have. You probably knew he was a while ago. I'm sure of that. It's down south. Your owners from the prob. Uh, let, me, let me see something. I, I would hesitate to guess this person is born in... The, he's a Texas guy. Born in Texas. It's a very big Republican state. I could have put two plus two together and figured out the guy was probably a Trump supporter. If he wasn't, okay, Fine, I mean, yeah, because those were the re- reports in mid
0: November Westbrook and Harden kind of wanting out because of uh Tillman Fertita, the, the owner, and so uh, it's, it's very interesting, you know, it, it gives a lot of leverage. Uh, Harden's got all the leverage in the world, especially because they kind of gave him the keys to the castle a few years ago. Uh, but it, the, the Rockets are really hamstrung because there's not much you can do. Like looking at this trade for the numbers to work, hypothetically speaking, you would have to trade
1: Seth Curry and Ben Simmons.
0: Yeah. But Seth Curry just signed. So I don't think he's even allowed to be traded yet, but you know, let's say it's Ben Simmons and Mike Scott, or maybe they have to wait for Seth Curry. But yeah, like if you throw in Seth Curry and do that uh, when he's eligible to be traded, then yeah, I think you're getting there. Uh, It certainly makes things a little interesting. You almost have, too many guards there in Houston. Cause you already have John wall. You already have Eric Gordon, but maybe Eric Gordon's someone they want in that trade. Uh, and then things just get bigger. And then, you know, then you start talking about Tobias Harris, things get murky fast.
1: Should we try another team? I mean, at this point you, I don't see how they could get James Harden. I don't know how they
0: can. He's a hard player to trade. I mean, he's making stupid money.
1: I mean my guess is it would probably have to be something like James Harden, Eric Gordon for Danny Green, Ben Simmons and like f- three first round picks and probably the right to swap for another and I don't see and maybe Shake Milton you might have to throw Shake Milton in there too. I don't I don't see how this works really. I'm not really sure.
0: I honestly think like if I had to make a prediction I think James Harden spending this whole year in Houston. I agree. I, I don't think he gets moved till the off season. Um, I agree. Be, because it's a, it's a hard thing to do uh, as far as the, the money goes and the Miami Heat or another team linked to him, but they're clearly not going to move Jimmy Butler and then they're not going to move BAM who just signed that max and they don't want to move Tyler hero and they don't want to move uh, Duncan Robinson. They definitely don't want to package those guys together. And yeah, who's better right now, Duncan Robinson, Tyler hero, or James Harden, like James Harden's at the top of that list, but here's the thing. Like the heat have some, how dangerous Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero are together is a whole different conversation. You trade Kendrick Nunn? Yeah, maybe Kendrick Nunn, but they're not going to do that. You know, I don't really, at this point, I think. I mean, I'm, I'm saying the Rockets aren't going to do that. Be, yeah. The Heat would be like, all right, take them, whatever. Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn's solid or whatever. But like, I don't think that there is a trade that's plausible with the Miami Heat
1: because the Heat. You could do a three team deal somehow, but I still don't know how exactly right. it works. Yeah. And if I'm. Pat Riley's
0: not about to disassemble this team that just went to the NBA championship. Unless you're who, awful, you like the lawful
1: your not refuse a lot of yeah.
0: something. Right, right. And, and if they can do that, because it's in, not way, it. yeah, it's it is anything. You put bam, you have a big three of Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and James Harden. That's absolutely ridiculous. They could win a championship this year.
1: But I don't know about that. And I'll tell you why. James Harden. I don't trust the dude. It, because and here's the thing. Jimmy has that locker room unlocked. Pat Riley's got that locker room on lockdown. James Harden's making it abundantly clear. There's not much you can do to keep him on lockdown. He's going to go to the strip clubs. He's going to do what he wants. He's going to party. If your head is not hundred percent in it, I don't know if Pat Riley wants you.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And that's where it's like, he, he's a hard piece to move right now.
1: I want to, I mean, I want James Harden because it's James Harden. He's going to get you 30 points a night. And he's going to get you eight or nine assists. Of course you want that. But I'm thinking of it like this. When they were trading Russell Westbrook, I thought who the hell wants Russell Westbrook. And then when they made the John Wall trade, I was like, okay, that's actually kind of the perfect deal for both guys. Yeah. I actually thought that was a good trade for both teams. And it's a reuniting with uh, Scotty Brooks. No one's talking about that. No, that's true too. And I think also, Russell's happy about that. Cause I think he likes Scott Brooks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. Um, should we I don't move
1: to Chicago you do. Is, is for our, our third and final segment of this show. I think so. Cause I'm about to watch this game and I am very excited. And I got to say, I cannot believe what w- now they're playing Oklahoma city. And,
0: and Billy Donovan clearly knows that team pretty well for obvious reasons, but they looked
1: competent the last two games. And I was like, what am I watching here, Josh?
0: My thought, eyes weren't even bleeding.
1: I, I thought I had to get, red,
0: I, but my eyes didn't even bleed. I was watching but, the Bulls' offense. My eyes didn't bleed.
1: Adam, I'm not going to lie. I thought I had to call Costco to set up an eye doctor appointment. I was, I didn't, I, I thought I was seeing something weird. Yeah, you're I mean, like, am
0: I watching it. Bulls basketball? What's going on here?
1: Well, one it thing, I'm a fluid be,
0: offense.
1: It's a, getting into it's early a, offense. That's offense what I was thinking. And like, I'm watching them right now. They're like, guys are coming off screens. They just made a great bounce pass. Got Wendell set up a, a pick and roll. Levine went right to the free throw line. He missed. Oh, what a pass. uh. Oh, wow. What a pass by Kobe. Just yeah. a perfect pass cross court to the back, to the to the front top of the key, right to Lori for three.
0: The, the vision is getting better. They're
1: also using, right like,
0: I'm seeing really good passing out of Kobe and Zach Levine. I think a, a key point there is, those guys have to be your most aggressive offensive weapons for this to work for the bulls to be at their best. And then you know, another key is they're using Wendell Carter, much like the heater are going to use Bam out of bio, which man, I love it. is a playmaker, you know, like I, I think the most impressive thing I'm seeing is early decision-making. It seems yeah. like sometimes it turned into, all right, Zach Levine, pretend you're James Harden and dribble around. And that's not going to fly with Billy Donovan. Uh, and the ball's moving like they're, they're playing team basketball again. And, uh, they're creating a ton of opportunities uh, on, on the backdoor cuts. They're, I mean, when you bring Wendell up to that high passing area where Jokic and bam thrive, you open up everything for, uh, Kobe white and Zach Levine. And I think that's that's been huge
1: they just did it again there with uh, Wendell got the ball right about the left of the top of the key back cut and a little back cut right to the left and trying to go to the basket. Now it didn't work It hit his legs. But for me, I see a team that finally has a cohesive offense and right there, perfect play bounce pass off the screen. Levine's in the corner, pick for Wendell gets it right to Kobe white at the three point line and he hits it. Yeah. This is actually a well moving offense. And I think, one thing is that guys are confident now that they're not being relegated. You know, Laurie is going to be used in different ways. They're letting Laurie attack the basket if he wants Oh, to. I was just going to say they're actually letting Laurie sm- slash, you know. They're letting Laurie slash in. Everybody is doing what they're asked to do properly. Like Wendell right? missed a three, but he's being asked to make those shots. He's being asked to do what, you know, one of the reasons they drafted him was because he could shoot the three. Right. And I think what we're seeing is a team that is intriguing to watch because I think they're finally actually being coached by a competent NBA coach. There's actually an adult in the room. And I think that the players
0: just, they enjoy playing for Billy Donovan and that's been a trend for him, uh, you know, his entire coaching career. And that makes a world of difference. And I think that he has the respect of the locker room and, uh, you know, it seemed like from day one with, Um Jim Boylan, it seemed like he had to try to earn the respect of the team. And then they he kind of got it and then he lost it quick. And every single player on that team wanted him gone. How is a guy supposed to succeed when everyone wants you gone? And frankly, if everyone wants you gone, you're probably doing something wrong. And so um, I don't know. I uh I, I I'm thrilled that I'm I'm seeing it come to fruition with Donovan, and then finally, like I didn't know what to think of Patrick Williams on draft night. That kid's
1: intriguing. This that's an intrigue. That's an intriguing prospect. I didn't think much of it either. I was like, "Who the hell is this?" I'm getting Lou dang vibes. He
0: and it's it's probably the number nine. I do like that comparison. I do.
1: He's like, got he's really intriguing. good defender already. He's a good defender. He's got a smooth jumper it is
0: smooth I didn't realize you know seeing him hit some of these kind of pull-up threes he's just hard to defend you know and and he makes quick decisions
1: he also doesn't need the ball in his hands oh great play speaking of that great play by Patrick right there um Shair Alexander just drove to the rim and got his hand right in his face disrupted the layup attempt perfect play and it's those big hands and those long arms that are going to be a huge problem when guys attack the basket on this guy. I mean, he can guard one through four. And that's a problem when you have a guy who's that good that can guard one through four. That creates a lot of mismatches and a lot of issues. And when you look at the way the team is constructed, uh, you need
0: really good defensive players at that small forward and center position because Lowry Markkinen is an improved defender. He's not a great one. Zach Levine is an improved defender. He's not a great one. But the fact of the matter is I don't trust Kobe White, Zach Levine, or Lowry uh to be great defenders. You have some really good defense from Sadoransky coming off the bench. I don't know if he's going to be uh, part of the long-term for the Bulls. I wouldn't mind if he is because I really like his game. I I've really like his versatility.
1: I've not seen him much in the preseason, not a whole lot.
0: And then, um, but the Bulls need defensive stars to actually go from a fun young team to a team that can maybe sniff the playoffs. And um, I don't know. It just seems like I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think they necessarily will if I were to put money on it right now, but they're getting into position where next year, when Otto Porter comes off the books They're going to have some options. They're going to be more of an appealing uh, free agency destination for the first time in a really, really long time since like the Derrick Rose era.
1: You know, the thing is that I think people are still iffy about coming to Chicago because one, it's cold. And two, the culture is terrible. Well, was, and I don't, and I think a lot of this major stars were off put by look at the history. McGrady didn't come here because they lowballed him. And they well, pretty much lowballed D. Wade and LeBron. I mean they almost came here, they claim, but I think D Wade got a whiff of the Bulls organization and said, Yeah, screw this, I'm not playing here. Well and yeah. Because the problem is the front office too, right? The front office ran him out of town. And I think had this front office been here, they probably would have signed because I think when you hear that our tourists and the front office are lifting weights with the players that establishes a rapport yeah. that, Hey, these guys are with us. They want us to do well. And they put their time into us by taking time out of their day to come lift with us and say, Hey, we're just like you guys. We're one of the people we're part of this team just as much as you are. And we well, want to I mean, show it's like
0: building trust, right? Because the big exactly. factor was trust The players did not, trust the organization for years you had the locker room spy incident you had uh one of the worst pr moves in the history of professional sports in my opinion with the way they handled derrick rose this is a guy who's given more money to chicago charities than any athlete in the history of the city a guy who is their number one overall pick their first mvp since michael jordan and you know he got hurt and then they fucked him and so whether or not that was a good basketball decision is a completely d- different conversation, but in, in the wake of that, you then after saying we're going to get younger and more athletic, you add Rajan Rondo and Dwayne Wade. Now that is French for, we don't know what we're doing. And there's no, uh, you know, method to our madness. We just want to sell tickets and you know what it blew up in a hurry. So you can say what you want about, you know, Jimmy Butler, not always being easy to play with because maybe he didn't get along with Rose. Well, he, it, it fizzled out with Rondo and Wade too. But the fact of the matter is if you still have Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose on the team, like maybe they would have been in some more playoffs, you know, instead it, it just kept getting worse, but other NBA players were looking at how they treated Derrick Rose. Other NBA players were looking at what they did with Jimmy Butler. And if I'm a star looking to consider Chicago as a legitimate free agency destination, I'm looking at how they treated other stars. And so until Gar Foreman and John Paxson were out of that building, they weren't going to
1: do shit. I agree. And I think now the question is, can they finally get that guy? Because you've got a really young team, but the question is who is going to be that free agent that makes the move here? I got a hot take for you.
0: By the way, Laurie is rolling right now. You know, I think it'd be a really interesting fit for Chicago.
1: Okay. Jonathan Isaac. This guy obviously just got hurt, right? But No, I actually love that idea because the Bulls would be insanely versatile after that. Yeah. He's a guy so hard to go. Oh my goodness. You know, and
0: then you have he's already one of the best shot blockers and steals guys in the NBA. Uh, he reminds me a lot of a young Kevin Garnett. Uh, just kind of like wiry right now, but you can see all that potential there. He's a decent shooter. I think if there's a guy, as long as he's healthy, if there's a guy that I would like the Bulls to target,
1: he's the perfect fit. Let me tell you something, man, about the NBA. There are two kinds of... You, do you know what they do for ACLs now? No. What? That a lot of the reason... A lot of these guys will come back stronger is, well, there's new and improved treatments. You can either do the you can do... One of the two ways I've heard that you can get recovery for your ACL, and one of the reasons it comes back stronger is they give you somebody else's ACL, <laughs> which is what my dad had and Derek Rose had. Dr. Cole does that. Or you can get and they'll give you some stem cells to reject to let it regenerate faster, so it comes back mm-hmm. stronger. And sometimes... You can just get stem cell therapy and it'll regrow itself. So modern technology has improved to the point where if you look at a modern day ACL, if you a regular NBA player might have some wear and tear in his ACL, just from all the years, if you look, Derek Rose actually came back jumping even higher than he was before his ACL injury. He actually got, he was jumping higher and he was faster. So, you know, I, I think Jonathan Isaac will come back fine. You can come back from an ACL injury very well. Adrian Peterson almost broke the NFL rushing record in a single and season. I do think it's league.
0: a case by case thing, right? I think so. But, for Rose, you team, know, he's not, he's not doing the things he did before the injury. He was, no, but I think he also game. realized I can't play this aggressive. So we started playing more to low to the floor. Yeah. So he I think I do it, agree. It, it was a mental thing for a long time. It him. was. And, and then I feel like when he got to the Timberwolves and was playing for Coach T again, it was just like, a, I got nothing to lose. I'm about to get washed out of the league. I'm going to play with reckless abandon and uh, just, just give it everything I have without any fear. Then you see him put up a 50-point game against Utah, which, which was, is so ironic because that's the team that you know traded for
1: him and then waived him. Which was pretty crazy. And I'm just glad because now Derek's one of the best six men in the NBA. Yeah. And you might argue... I mean, you can make the argument if he's better than Blake Griffin or not on that Pistons team. You, you know, you can make an argument if he might be the best player on that team. I've been wondering that because Blake's never healthy and Derek's the most consistent scorer that they have on the team.
0: Blake had just about the best year of his career and then, uh, you know, was a no-show last year. So the health is the big question mark with him. Um, another guy with the Bulls, to, obviously, I, I want Derek Rose back. I'm a fan. He's, I don't think it's ever going to happen. I, I hope it does. I, I just hope it well, of
1: does. Of course I do. Uh, it, it was, it I think, was it, from next year. I think and, it could um, happen next year. I think it actually could because we'll need a backup point guard because I don't expect Sadoransky back if, unless he's staying. Did he sign a three-year deal or was it two years? I,
0: I can uh, check on that with Saddle right now. Uh, I think he's got off the top of my head. I think he's got a little bit more time on that. looking that up all right Saturansky. yeah he he, uh is on three-year deal three-year deal yeah and so they got him through next year but sadaransky is the guy who can play the two or the three too
1: yeah so i i i actually think i could see Derek coming here but i expect him to go to a contender and try and win a ring um for his he's always talking about wanting to go back home I think he will at the end of his career. Like I think he's going to try and sign a one-year deal somewhere next year, like he, like in LA or Miami. He might go there. He might play with Jimmy again. I could see that happening. That w- it, maybe. I can see him going to Milwaukee. Honestly, Milwaukee would be an awesome fit for him. I actually could see him going to Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee would be a perfect fit for him. It would be perfect because that would be he could be the sixth man that they really need off the bench you know, and then, you know, he gets to reunite with Bobby, which would be really nice too. I mean, that could be, it just, everything could be, everything can kind of, I feel like everything can happen for the Bulls if they do this right. I think they got this right. I think they got the coaching hire right. Yeah. I think only time will tell, but I think this is a nice young team that has promise. I said, I, now you did, we did ceiling or basement. I would say basement would be, this is a 72-game season. I would say basement, they win somehow 20 games. I could say that's basement. I would say ceiling? Eighth seed. Eight, seventh or eighth seed, yeah. Yeah. They could do it. I mean, you see – I have teams- it as like the ninth or tenth this year.
0: Yeah. And and I haven't, I haven't you know, ordered – it all out I haven't you know looked at I've been doing by division but I haven't done it by conference but uh the Bulls are a very intriguing team because a coach makes a huge difference if if you I mean you saw it with the Thunder last year right everyone expected them to be bad uh not in the playoffs and Billy Donovan had them overperform and look at the way he developed Shea Gilgis Alexander look at the way he developed Dort uh, it makes a huge difference. And even, even like, look at what happened with Budenholzer when he came to Milwaukee. They went from an interesting team to a, wow, they're terrifying now. And so when you add a coach and you have a young team that starts to believe in themselves, things start to really come together. And so I think that that's the ceiling for the Bulls, but it's for the Chicago Bulls organization. It's not about this year. It's about how can we become an appealing destination? How can we set ourselves up for success in three or four years
1: when they're hoping to be more of a contender? You know, I remember, and I believe we discussed this. When did I remember? I believe we discussed when he got coach Boonhozer. I thought, yeah, they're going to the NBA finals. Yeah, I was all
0: in. We were both all in with Budenholzer. Yeah, because,
1: I I mean, I thought, okay, all, all they needed was a
0: coach. They had yeah. all the talent. They just didn't have the coach. And they had the personnel and, that was perfect for
1: Budenholzer. It was perfect. And then all of a sudden, you just saw the explosion. And I think you, you we'll keep seeing it. And I just keep watching this Bulls team. And the ball moment, like you said, they're using they're using Wendell at as that kind of point, point center. center.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like they did with Joakim, and it's working now. We're struggling a little bit now, and but still, I mean, it's it's working, and I think it's going to take some time. But I I think if they get a couple more pieces, they really can make a difference. It's just the question is whether or not these are pieces that totally fit and can be a contender in the East, because you're going to need you need that superstar. You can get them in free agency, but usually those free agents have a set. Number of teams that they're going to want to go to because those teams are right there, and I don't think a superstar coming here is going to all of a sudden make the Bulls an NBA Finals contender.
0: But how can they develop Kobe White and and Zach Levine into offensive juggernauts? Right.
1: I think that's the main thing. You got yeah, you, you got to develop Patrick. what you
0: have right there. You have something special in Patrick Williams. We've only seen him for a few games, but you know people are comparing him to uh, Kawhi Leonard, and that's not bad. You know that's probably a good sign. Uh, he, he has a super smooth game. He's he was the youngest player in the NBA draft. What do you have in him? How can you improve him, Zach Levine? How can you help him take that next step, become a smarter basketball player? You're already seeing that with the influence of Billy Donovan and Kobe White. You, you talk about a guy who's also very young. The Bulls have, honestly. Just water the garden you don't need to go go to the grocery store right now you know what i mean know that you're gonna have a budget but right now this season water your plants and see what you can grow because they have some some pieces with a lot of potential and that's what the uh, front office said when they were brought in you know uh said that the bulls have drafted well
1: and so i agree i don't disagree i think they have pieces appropriately I think they've got pieces. I never thought – when I saw, like, the individual talent on this team, right I never thought –
0: Patrick Williams right there.
1: Yeah. Who's I, I, I just – you know, I never thought that they were a huge problem. I, I just thought they just need to be coached well, and they right. were coached well. And yeah. that's going to be a problem when you have talent, and then there's n- – There's nothing around you to develop it. And I mean, you know, I think now they have enough. And I think it's just a matter of what they can do with it. And I think it's going to be very intriguing to watch what they do with it. I think Kobe White is definitely somebody that I'm very intrigued by. I get so many Ben Gordon vibes from him. So many Ben Gordon vibes. But like bigger and more athletic. Bigger and more athletic. Although to be fair to Ben Gordon, the guy was – Oh, he was so good. He was, but I think Kobe it's, White's gonna be better. I think so. I, I think he definitely has the potential. I think Ben Gordon today would actually have been better, and probably would be dropping twenty a game. He would have been like the modern day Lou Williams almost, in a sense that he would have been a better three point shooter because he would have been shooting six Even or seven more. a game and probably shooting thirty eight percent clip. He's I mean, a, he would have been such I have a, a difference.
0: question for you. So there's two players who have who've gone nine from nine from three. In NBA history, Ben Gordon's one of them. You know who the other one is?
1: It's not Kobe, no.
0: No. Do you want a hint?
1: Is it somebody in the NBA right now?
0: No. I can give you a hint.
1: Okay, I know Vince went eight for eight once.
0: He's not necessarily known as a three-point shooter. He obviously could hit him.
1: Hall of Famer or not?
0: I don't think so. I would have n- He was he was a mean guy.
1: No, it's not Ron Artest. No.
0: No. Mean but you know, like getting warmer. Like not necessarily by era, but by like meanness and style of player. Someone who played shooting guard, small forward. Guard. It's okay. a tough one.
1: I am totally blanking on this.
0: You want me to tell you? Sure. Latrell Sprewell. Really? Yeah. And that's that's where, that's where we'll leave it, folks. And if you like trivia questions, you should listen to the full court trap because we got plenty of them. Maybe that'll be in the next one. That's and, a really good question. Uh, it is a good trivia question. And if you ever want to be on the full court trap, and we need a rematch soon too, uh, you know, America's favorite basketball trivia show, you just uh, message me on twitter at fantastic mr foo f-o-u-x and uh you know check out our our holiday album we just put out a holiday album uh commercial did you see that yet josh i did it was fantastic guys please go check it out it's fantastic a hoopstradamus christmas uh yeah so we're on youtube we got that on our youtube uh find us there at at hoopstradamus as always a big thank you to evan butris who made our logo and even made this uh uh, christmas logo that you're seeing behind me if, if you're watching on youtube uh so thank you very much folks uh josh any any closing thoughts
1: before we wrap this one up just want to say i'm excited for the nba season to start excited to see what the bulls can do I'm just excited overall for another year of basketball love it love it very big guests
0: coming on this week keep your eyes peeled uh, we'll be announcing that on my social media we'll talk to you guys later